Irish Illustrated Insider, August 18th, a Tuesday. It's Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley. Tim, let's jump right into, we already did an instant analysis from Brian, Pel- Brian Kelly's press conference or webinar the other day. Let's jump right back into that. And, and I know this is something we touched on, but wide receiver by committee slash tight end uh, depth. He spoke, Brian Kelly spoke prominently about the tight end depth. Um, he's very happy with everything that that position has to offer. I know some people have some concerns about whether this is going to make Notre Dame too prehistoric in their approach, but that's the whole, whole idea of Chris Tyree and Avery Davis and guys that can really light it up. Yeah, I thought he was open in his response, too. To my, my question was, you know, there's a slot receiver competition because he mentioned Davis when somebody asked about keys. But we've talked about this during the summer, the real competition – for Notre Dame's offense is the slot receiver or even a second running back versus the second tight end. You can't have them all on the field all the time. And I do know people on our board were wondering, well, they're going to be obviously be multiple. Yes, they're obviously going to be multiple. But when you talk about two and three tight ends, that means you're pushing to the 50% of your snaps having a 12 or 13 package. And when they don't like their tight ends, it's nowhere near that. If you remember 2018 was one tight end, the three receivers with Fink and they didn't go to two. Now, this is by him mentioning three in the base. I am all for it. It speaks to what Tommy Reese is looking for, and that's establishing some physicality. I don't know that I want to see three tight ends in the base all the time, but I think, no, but the possibility, yeah, the possibility of having Tremble and Mayer on the field at the same time. I mean, Tremble is Tremble is wide receiver like. Yes, and and yeah. and Mayer, we we saw one clip of Mayer catching a touchdown pass in the red zone in the end zone. He will. He will, when you have those two guys on the field at the same time, Tremble and Mayer, it's a it's a matchup nightmare with a couple of wideouts. We said it offline. I think yesterday um, we compared Mayer to Kyle Rudolph in that they're the same type of of, of player. You mentioned yes. Mayer's probably Agreed. you mentioned Mayer's probably a better athlete, <laughs> yeah. which is an amazing thing to say. Um, I think it's a great comparison. And the reason three tight ends are brought up, and no one is going to say this name outside of the staff, but you were told that Brock Wright has had a great summer and he will be involved this year. That's why there's three tight ends and he is the best blocker of those three tight ends. And yeah, and it, it might be a little unfair. I, I mentioned the tight ends. I didn't say him first. It, it's a little bit unfair, but this, this gives them great flexibility. It, yeah. it, it really, really does. I think it gives them more flexibility than the notion that this is going to make them, you know, three yards in the cloud of dust, the old cliche. You want that ability. Look, look, what has been one of the shortcomings of the Notre Dame offense in recent years? It's short yardage situations. So this gives you the advantage of that while still being multiple and being able to do some other things with, you know, with some 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 game breakers in, yeah. in Lindsay and Austin when they get them back. And I, I think we should put a fine point on Tommy Tremble. I like Lawrence Keys. You like Lawrence Keys. You like Avery Davis. Tommy Tremble is a more explosive athlete than both of them. I don't care that the other guys are short and quick. Tommy Tremble can make just as many big plays as Lawrence Keys can. Well, I agree. Bigger yeah. and stronger. Uh, yeah, and and probably straight line fast is comparable. I mean, just straight line running. It's it's. I know he's not as quick in space, but you don't have to be when you're 250 pounds. No, but he's truly one of their. He's truly one of their better weapons offensively, yeah. and that's. That's a good thing. I One of the questions I asked uh, that was submitted in some form was about the buck linebacker position. 
it's kind of comparable to where we were last year at this time where a bunch of names were being thrown out. Eventually, Asmar Bilal won that position. And so if Jordan Jim Markeith wins that position, uh, it will kind of follow the pattern of, of last year. But TGH, as Brian Kelly referred to him, was the first name uh, thrown out yesterday. Shane Simon, uh, Jack Lamb, Jack Kaiser. I think anytime we hear Jack Kaiser's name thrown into a situation, it shouldn't be a surprise anymore. Clark Lee loves him and thinks he's a great athlete. Maybe he is, and he's a guy that can help them. He'll help them more probably next year and year after than this year. Right, right. And then Osea Kwanu was was another name that, that Brian Kelly men, mentioned. I thought he was, I thought he was uh, getting a look at at the Mike linebacker spot, but that's a little crowded right now with White and Bauer. Uh, so some names out there, Jim Markeith and Lamb aren't surprising. Uh, Simon, we weren't sure where he was physically, but he right. keeps popping up in the video as well. Simon, yeah, is only a surprise because I thought maybe he would have had a rough time coming back without the constant Bayless um, summer prodding that you would normally have and, and the constant care by going home. That's why I thought I would send him back. You know, Simon's the one that ended – Last year, as a third-string Mike, I wonder if this is if, – if JGH and Lamb end up distinguishing, or Kaiser, I wonder if Simon or, or Iquanu do move back to Mike because you have to fill it – they have five – you just named five bucks. So yeah, right, you exactly. Some, you need to get somebody yeah. over at Mike. To, no, to no doubt. And the word that Brian Kelly used for Shane Simon yesterday was gifted, and, and I think we've always known that. Yeah. But – what what came back to what sifted back to us was he's got to be more physical right and you know he's got he's got a great he's got a great linebacker body they tried him at at rover at first and that wasn't a real good fit for him but he's got to be more physical so when brian kelly says gifted none of us are surprised by that we know that 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 lamb is um very athletic and guy that they you know they used prominently last year in situations, but if you could get, if you could get Shane Simon to play to the level of physicality that his abilities should allow him to, and I still think Jen Markeith is a, is a guy that can help them. So maybe, you know, it's, it, you, you might not have one guy emerge there like you did with Bilal because Bilal right. was a, it was a starter the year before, albeit at a different position. Uh, none of these guys have been starters. So it's more likely that this is going to be a little bit more of a committee or at least a two man operation. That's a great point. I always forget that Bilal was a starter the year before. He yep. just he is used to being on the field and operating Clark Lee's defense. That probably gave him a head up and or a leg up. I I was shocked last year when he was the 684 snap guy, but I'll be even more shocked this year if one of those two is takes Bilal's amount of snaps at Buck. I think you're right. I there. doubt that. I, I, I yeah. doubt that. I think the skill sets are a little bit different, and I, I wouldn't expect that just because – you know, what a godsend that was at Bilal. It finally clicked in, even though he was playing a, a different position, a position that he had dabbled at before and played yeah. a little bit when he was younger. But that was huge that he stepped forward. I did a story this morning on, uh, and Tim, I know you're doing the, the slot receiver tight end story. Um, the, the pass rush uh, defensive ends, you lose three really good ones. I'm not sure that you're necessarily matching that ability with the four that Brian Kelly mentioned. Uh, but Ogundeji and Hayes and Foskey and Ogofu, um, it's a it's a really talented group. And, and this is something I'll get into this. I'll, I'll let you speak here, but it's a talented group. And um, I think you've got a couple unknown pass rushers there that are on the verge of becoming really good pass rushers. 
Yeah, Ogofu would have been a really good pass rusher for Notre Dame last year, I believe, if Jameer Jones didn't become such a good pass rusher for Notre Dame last year. When when Aquara went down, you would have seen a little bit more of um, Ogofu and what he could do because the staff was really high on him. Foskey, uh, we love Foskey. We, we heard that he needed an offseason – I'm sorry, not an offseason, a spring with Mike Elston. This is a, such an interesting point that a lot of the younger guys do not work with Mike Elston when they're not total varsity players. And remember, Foskey wasn't a full varsity player last year, so he almost missed out on some training, but his natural ability is going to put him in there. And the most important thing is you still have Ade and Hayes. I, I mean, Hayes doesn't have to come off the edge. You have talked about it a lot. Hayes could go the strong side. Hayes could play inside in the nickel. Hayes can play inside the dime. Ade can play inside in the dime. I'm excited to see what Clark Lee comes up with. And you lose a warrior in Kareem, but they have some players here. And, and nobody has definitively stated that, that Dalen Hayes is going to play big end with Elgin Deji, but it just makes complete sense. He's 270 pounds. He looks it too. Yeah, he really, he really does. I mean, he looks a lot, he looks a lot bigger. Yeah. Uh, you know, which I think, my first concern was, you know, how can he play Viper? Well, he doesn't, he doesn't have to. I'm not saying he won't play Viper end because a lot of times you want your two fifth year seniors on the field at the same time. Yes. Uh, at, at end. Ogundeji moved inside against, I believe against Stanford, right? Yeah, when they, started, had, they were banged started. up, right. And they were banged up, um, you know, at, at the end of the year. But I think a, a combination of Ogundeji and, and Hayes on the strong side, comparable to what you had with Kareem and Ogundeji last year, that's ideal. If you want to push, if you want to put Hayes back on the field for the fundamentally run strong guy at Viper in situations, go ahead and do that. But, and, and you know, this kind of pushes Justin Adamiola out of the rotation or at least number five uh, overall and number three at the big end position. But that guy's always been productive when you've put him in. So you can play him too. You can give him more opportunities. So, uh, you know, it's going to come down to uh, can Agofu and, and, Foskey put pressure on the quarterback. They're counting on it. Yeah, and you mentioned Justin Adamalola. You can go five deep at defensive end. Great. You can't go five deep at buck linebacker, like we said in right, the last right, topic. Right. You yes. can definitely go five deep. At you, can go you can go sure. sixty. You can go sixty at defensive end. Yeah. And I think your final, the the best point you made though is that at times you need Dalen Hayes on the other edge to be the solid run stuffer because I do think that's where Foskey will struggle as a true sophomore. Absolutely, and right. and, and a gofu. Probably as well, but when you would talk about setting the edge, Dalen Hayes is a set the edge kind of yeah. body and, and physique. Last thing we're going to touch on here uh, in segment one is the offensive line. Brian Kelly spoke uh, prominently about them and believes that they're it's going to be uh, an offensive line that is going to reach its peak mm. this year. He talked about the physicality of the guard center guard in in, in Banks and Patterson. And, and Kramer certainly banks and Patterson in particular experienced offensive tackles, pass protectors. They've both been very good at that. And Josh Lug is, is that, that wild card, that six starter. So, you know, coupled with this whole notion of playing two and three tight ends, come on, man. I mean, third and short, short yarded situations must run or must get runs in, sh- in short yarded situations should definitely be in Notre Dame's favor. Yeah, and it was oddly their weakness last year, comparatively, at least, for what a great line should be. They were nowhere – well, they don't have to be anywhere near the 2017 because I think they converted 
24 of their first 25 short yardage or something along those lines with Nelson and McGlinchey, but they were worse than the 18 line in terms of converting that. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. It was a more physical line. Um, I expect that to change this year. They still need to find, and this will probably come up. They do need to find that short yardage back. And I don't, it, you know, is it going to be SIBO? Because we are burying SIBO because Kyron Williams looks so dynamic and Chris Tyree is going to be, and Jafar is a, he's a given right now until we see differently. Jafar Armstrong is the given. He's the senior returnee. Um, you don't convert if you don't have a, a, a tough, hard-nosed, and disciplined short yardage back that doesn't care about anything but that yard and a half. So that'll be a development going forward as well. Yeah, it's a good point. And it could be Jamir Smith as well. Uh, we'll talk more about that a little bit in, right. in segment two because we do have a question about it. But the last thing I want to say about this is this offensive line against the defensive lines of Pittsburgh, Clemson, and Florida State. I mean, literally three of the best, definitely three of the best 10 in the country – uh, Pittsburgh lost twice, and he opted yeah, out. That's a thing, though. That, 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 that is a deal. <laughs> and he's he's the best of of that entire group. But man, they are deep. They had a couple guys that didn't play last year because of injuries that were prominent in 2018. So the matchup of Notre Dame's offensive line, and and you got to believe that this whole talk of two and three tight ends. I know the personnel is fitting the situation, but they know they've got to be able to match up with Pittsburgh, Clemson, Florida State in order for this to be the kind of year they want it to be in the ACC. Look, Notre Dame's offensive line is going to murder seven teams on their schedule. If they, don't, would... if they don't win, win the day. Actually, they have to win the day, not dominate, win against Clemson even, Florida State, and Pittsburgh. They will have not lived up to expectations because they are – this is as experienced, as deep, and as talented as you're going to get. So you have to be able to win the day. You're not going to beat Clemson if your offensive line gets beat, beaten, right? No way. And so you, probably won't, win it. you probably won't win at Pittsburgh either because it's hard to score points, and who knows how good Florida State is going to be. Right. Segment two coming up, burning up the board. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Segment two, burning up the boards. We start with a question from Jay Paulus22. Who has more rushing yards combined in 2020? Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree, and Ian Book, or Jafar Armstrong, Sebo Flemister, and Jamir Smith? It's a fun also, question. <laughs> who, which, which running back will have the most yards is also part of the question. I like the question with the groupings because it's, uh, do you like the future or do you like the present? <laughs> and people tend to just vote for the future all the time. It's a recruiting-based question. Uh, the first one, because of all the six guys listed, the only guy I know is going to get to the 400-yard mark is Ian Book. Everybody else is a wild card. Ian Book will be running the football a little bit this year. Um, yeah, I'm going with that one because of Ian Book, which is not what they wanted to hear as an answer. Yeah. Well, not necessarily. I and why people want to hear that Chris Tyree's going to also throw in another four hundred. And I'm not sure about that. But Kyron Williams is prominent. You know, I don't know about exact rushing yardage. Kyron Williams is going to get a significant portion of his yardage probably through the air. But I would I would agree with you because I think in, in coinciding with what we said in segment one, Flemister and or John Mer Smith will be short yardage guys. And I'm not sure 
with the with the arrival of Tyree and Kyron Williams supposedly stepping forward, and I know Armstrong could probably be the guy that leads in rushing. I, I would go with the first group as well. Who do you think leads in rushing, uh, not including Ian Book? Yeah, I think I, I hope Ian Book doesn't lead in rushing, but um, I'm going to default to Armstrong <laughs> with this odd caveat. He is unlikely to be the short yardage guy when he, and he's your lead running back and he's a strong lead running back. It's a strange thing. I don't, I think you've talked about it before. I think getting the pads low is his remaining challenge. Um, he's a, he's a super physical guy that doesn't necessarily hit that one or two yard crease very physically. So I, I think they trust him a lot and they need to find a different short yardage back than him. I, I think he's, physical but his pad level doesn't allow him to play to the level of physicality right. that he he wants to at least it hasn't up to this point uh i agree i think jafar armstrong still leads them in rushing rhino 24 do you see the potential for a jordan johnson type or just jordan johnson to get involved in the wide receiver rotation he seems like the team on social media is really talking him up yeah i do uh, you know we're influenced by seeing him a couple times on Notre Dame's videos. And I, I don't want to overplay that, but when you see Ian book throwing him passes, you know, that he's, you know, he's working with the number one quarterback. Uh, I, I certainly think that he has a chance. Uh, Braden Lindsay's it will be at the forefront. Ben Skoranek will be at the forefront with Kevin Austin out. You're looking for people. You're, right. you're looking for a long wide out to help contribute. Avery Davis is a guy that, you know, we think is going to, contribute as well with uh, with keys but I certainly think Jordan Johnson's in the mix I don't think he's anywhere near as strong as he's going to be uh, you know uh, as his yeah. career progresses at Notre Dame um, but look how strong Chase Claypool became I'm not saying that he's going to be a Chase Claypool because I think he's Claypool's kind of a one-of-a-kind type player Yes. You know, he was like a faster time, better leaping Tommy Tremble. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I was going to say he's like a, a, a certainly like a tight end in a lot of respects, but clearly a wide receiver too. So Jordan Johnson has a chance. I want to see a healthy Kevin Austin for crying out loud. Yeah. Somebody, somebody that doesn't follow the Nordic program real closely said to me, with all this talk about Kevin Austin, has he ever, has he played yet for Notre Dame? So, yeah, he caught five passes as a, as a freshman, what they really need him to emerge. Uh, the interesting part about this is I really like Jordan Johnson. I had him high on the list coming in. I mean, I know he's a five-star, but I, I believed kind of the hype on him. Um, it's practice number five. And in 2018, after practice number five, we would have bet you a million dollars <laughs> as freshmen that Joe Wilkins and Lawrence Keyes were going to get on the field. You're right. You're right. Uh, so I look at it that way, but the opportunity is there because there is no Kevin Austin and no, there is no Kevin Austin in September. So there's an opportunity there with another point. You also mentioned they need a outside receiver to make an impact. If keys were hurt, I bet you'd see Xavier Watts on these highlights, but he's probably buried and Jordan Johnson's not. I, I would agree, and we haven't mentioned Javon McKinley yet, and he's right. certainly in the mix, a guy that started to prove himself last year. He did some good things against some bad teams, but he's a fifth-year senior. They brought him back for a reason. He's a yes. guy with experience, and he's definitely a guy that's on the rise. I mean, it, you know, from last year to this year, he is a player um, on the rise. So uh, you're, that's a good point, though, because the first week you see a lot of freshmen getting opportunities, and then, uh, then they, they kind of fall back in the rotation. Dan Quinlan, which freshman will play first? 
speaking of Jordan Johnson in this conversation, are any freshmen expected to play more than the four games and burn a red shirt? Well, Tyree and Mayer will burn that red shirt. No doubt about it. There is. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do side with a, when there's a 10 game season, you have to, I guess you have to plan for an 11, a 12 game season. You're, you, you have to plan if you're Notre Dame to play in the conference championship game in a bowl game, because you have to plan on being good. Um, if you see something, I do wonder if you could start off in September, let's say Kevin Bauman is your fourth best special teams player. Does he have to play 10 games to make an impact as your fourth best? Like I'm, I'm saying outside of obviously Bo Bauer is clearly the best player. Let's say you're, you're looking at Bauman. You're like, yeah, he should really be in our, in our core. Do you say I want to burn his red shirt in a season that might only go six games to get stopped? Right. It's you know, tough, the other, yeah, no, no it, it is. And the other thing is, you know, if Notre Dame only plays 10 games and the rule doesn't change, you can play up to four. I mean, there, you can, you can count on them for almost half of your regular season games. You'd have them in a bowl game, I guess, too. But, um, you know, you'd have him – you'd have guys like that in the mix as well. How many guys – how many freshmen used a year of eligibility last year? Three? Four? Three, yeah. Three and one was a punter. Right. It was you – know, <laughs> I mean, clearly Kyle Hamilton, um, Jay Bramblett, and Jacob Lacey. Right. So the four-game the four game rule has allowed you to, you know, get them involved for, for key games – you know, Iquanu played on kick coverage in the bowl game. Right. But right. you didn't have to, you know, that's just one example. You didn't have to use a year of eligibility with them. So I wouldn't expect, I mean, is there anybody who's going to use play, it? If Jordan Johnson is your varsity player, I would play him and develop him because if Jordan Johnson is anything like you think he's going to be, he is not coming back for a fifth year at Notre Dame. Wide receivers in fifth year don't happen at Notre Dame. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And then defensively, they're – what freshman is going to use a year of eligibility? Yeah, I mean, Riley got, Miller should play four games max. There's no reason to do that to him. Possibly, uh, possibly Botello. Yeah, but if, if you're looking for a pass rusher, if if you lose one of those other two young pass rushers, but uh, yes, with in, with injury, Botello jumps into the mix. You're right, but I think you don't plan on it. I think he's a four game plan. Mills is a four game plan. I know they're different positions. Some of those freshman uh, corners are are four game plan. Okay. I mean, Brian Kelly even said, "Yeah, I like them, but they're in a sit- situation, you know, where is we probably ba- don't need them full time." So, is Batello the only other guy that ba- other than Bauman? That is- uh, Alex Pipes. Alex Pipes will yes. use the year of eligibility because yes. he'll be a long snapper. Is Batello uh, the only other guy that's so physical that they might be considering we got to get him out there on special teams all the time too? He certainly would fall into the category that you're creating there. Yeah. Uh, and also, to put it indelicately, maybe a player you want to keep engaged by playing a lot of football. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the way it goes sometimes with highly ranked play. I mean, they, they played Ishak Williams in 2011 simply because he was a person they needed to get engaged in the games and, and keep engaged in the program. He was not ready to play. And Brian Kelly mentioned it afterwards. He, he was out there in 11 games – Right. Just part of it. <laughs> I, I, I think there are enough indications that uh, Jordan Botello is wound pretty tightly. So yes. <laughs> you might want you might want to get I, I think it's a good point on your part and and you might want to get him on the field and absolutely keep him engaged. <laughs> and Jeffers, do you think Swarbrick is still committed to the need for in-person instruction as a prerequisite for a football season, given that North Carolina sent kids home but is still planning on a football season? 
Well, Jack Swarberg doesn't make that decision. I mean, he he's yeah. the he's the most visible representative of the university these days, and so we see him and hear from him. But he won't make that decision. Tim, you and I are of the same mindset here. Um, you know, I mean, I don't want to sound like a you know a football meathead here, uh, and I'm and I'm not. And but look, if you have to do, you're going to great lengths you're going to great lengths to play this football season. If you have to do online classes in order to get through the football season or basketball season, I mean, just sports in general, this university is depending, all universities are depending greatly upon what, what sports brings to this school financially. I I just don't see a problem in the short term doing online classes with your student athletes. I see no problem. No problem at all with it in the COVID-19 era that is ongoing and being battled. You're doing almost anything you can to play football right now. Why would it, if, if, if there's too much, if Notre Dame has to go online, it's, it's possible Notre Dame has to go online. They're prepared for it. That's why they moved the semester up. Um, why can't you play football anyway? It's not changing the very fabric of your university's mission to do this for one semester. Notre Dame needs football. South Bend needs football. The players need football. The players are still students, even if they're taking online classes. I think people hear online classes, and they think it's just a bunch of people cheating and turning in stuff that's plagiarism. Online classes are everywhere now. Online classes are going to be prevalent in the future, including at Notre Dame. I get it that it's important to have the in-person. You you just talked about this in-person interaction, especially for the younger players. I mean, excuse me, younger students is crucial to Notre Dame's mission. It's a national, it's a global pandemic. You're trying to do stuff during it. It's okay right. to take online classes. And you may have to do it in the spring too. I yes. mean, you, you, get, we, you said one semester and I know you may have to do this for the entire year. Maybe, you know, who knows looking forward, how long this is going to, to, to stretch out before we have a, a, a cure or a vaccine, what have you. But Look, I, at least from Notre Dame's perspective, we know that they're going to make it on the up and up. It's not its yes, not going to be yes. something that you're going to go online and just skate through. No. And, Notre Dame's mission is, it's very clear. You and I both experienced it. Jack, we, I mean, we, we've, you know, we, we've all experienced this. And, and embraced it. And embraced it. But we weren't going to school during a global pandemic. And if they to ask me, are you going to be offended that you have to go home and take online classes while Notre Dame plays football? Would you have been, I mean, well, how delicate do you have to be in your sensibilities to be offended by the fact to realize that Notre Dame could play football while you're home studying? Exactly. It, Notre Dame has to prepare for that. I, I hope that they do. It's not Jack Swarbrick's call. It's Father Jenkins' call and a lot of other people. Um, you've got to be prepared to do that if you're going to this great length to get this football season in. I don't want to go overboard on this and I'm not going to use the player's name because he's a really nice guy. But when he said as a senior, I went over to campus the other day and it was the middle of football season. He didn't mean he was taking all of his classes all the time on Notre Dame's campus. I'm sure he had an online course. I'm sure he had some skating by because he was a senior that had done all his work. They're in different situations. It's okay. People take, there's going to be more online classes every single year for the rest of our lives in college campuses. Joe Burrow did not take a exactly. It's, it's, it's going to escalate. It's not, it's not going to reverse in the other direction. It's going to continue to escalate. Um, and Nordame needs to prepare to do that. We'll finish with a question from Terry Benedict. 
How excited are you letting yourself be that there might be Notre Dame football in 25 days? I think this is the, the last time we homage to the last time this question yes. was asked. More excited than when it was 30, the last time we talked about it. The clock is going slowly, though, because I wrote something. I think it was in Monday Musings. I mentioned 25 days yesterday. I feel like time just stood still or my online date calculator was wrong. So I think it's 24 and a half right now as we're getting through this day. And uh, every time I don't wake up and look at Twitter in the morning and see that somebody canceled. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I learned a valuable lesson. Don't look at Twitter early in the morning. I learned that lesson last week. All right, we'll be back for uh, that. That's it for Irish Illustrated Insider on today, Tuesday, August 18th. We'll be back on Thursday, August 20th. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.